This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you like underground music, movies, and more, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed merch, vinyl, CDs, and more. Plug in the discount code 10OFF, T-E-N-O-F-F, for a 10% discount at portlanddistro.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Everything Went Black. My good friend, Jesse Matthewson of the excellent band Ken Mode, joins us this week. They have a new record called Null, which is just about ready to be released, and also a U.S. tour coming up in November. We talk about all of that stuff. Jesse and I go way back uh, to the Escape Artist Records days. Uh, a few of you out there might remember that label. It was uh, really cool back then. It was us, Ken Mode, Isis, Burn It Down, a bunch of great bands playing Enemy. It was definitely an era, and uh, Jesse and I made it out of that, and we're still rocking and rolling out there on the road. Before we get going, I want to thank everyone who has joined the Patreon. Much appreciated, all that support. If you want to support the podcast, you can also join Patreon for as little as $1 a month. You get access to all the bonus material. For $5 a month, you get access in advance to all the free episodes on the regular stream plus the bonus material. And for $25 a month, you can become a sponsor yourself. If you have a business, a project, a band, anything that you want to promote you can provide me with some copy to read and i will give you an ad read on the episode once a month for as long as you want and you get access to all the bonus material and early access to the free episodes you know one of the coolest things to come out over the last couple of years is this camaraderie that we've developed between uh, everything went black necromaniacs into the Necrosphere, Horrorwolf 666, and my friend Carl Hikara and his new podcast, Soul Knox. So, a lot of really cool friendships have arisen, and I'm really, really proud to call these guys my friends. So, with that said, please go ahead, after you listen to Everything Went Black and Necromaniacs, check out their shows. On Monday, we have Horrorwolf 666, hosted by Brandon Legion. On Tuesday, We have Into the Necrosphere, hosted by Jackie Smith. Wednesday, of course, is Everything Went Black. Necro Thursday is Necromaniacs. And Sunday, Soul Knox posts, hosted by my good friend Carl Haikara. And we've all collaborated together, and uh, I give my full backing to these guys. So definitely help support them and help this whole thing that we've got going together grow and expand. It's uh, great seeing you again. I was really excited that we had a chance to hang out uh, a couple months ago in Winnipeg. And um, I think uh, what I was telling my mutual friend, Morgan, that um, I I didn't even realize that I was in the same town that you lived in when I was there. I think I was sending photographs like on Instagrams and Morgan was like, you're in Jesse's backyard. Yeah. I was like... (laughs) How about that? I'm in fucking Winnipeg, the home of uh, Jesse and Ken Mode. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't a place a lot of people usually uh, 
are at from a touring perspective, let alone know someone there. So, yeah, that was funny. I uh, I definitely had you guys in the in the old calendar to to come bug you that uh, I knew y'all were coming. Well, I was glad. Was, was, nonetheless, I'm glad we we were able to hang out though. And uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I don't think I've ever actually been to Winnipeg. That was the first for me. Yeah, like we talked about, I think you had a couple. Uh, failed attempts with some tours that ended up not panning out, uh, spanning back quite a few years. Yeah, yeah, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of that kind of stuff. I have to say, Winnipeg is a nice town. I I had a nice time there, and I really like that venue we played at. Yeah, the Goodwill is a cool spot. I uh, it's it's kind of one of the only spots we play anymore when we play around there. It's just the right size, and the people that run it are all like people I came up with in the scene. So it's, it's, it's folks that you, you generally trust and they, they do a good job. To me, it has the feel of one of those places that you might play in Europe because I think the, the attached coffee shop, uh, restaurant kind of vibe. And yeah, it has like a very Euro vibe to it, at least, at least for me. But then again, <laughs> I'm, I'm from, uh, I'm from the United States. So what, what do we know about travel or anything? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or Europe or any of that halfway shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the last time I sp- we actually had you on the podcast, we did this in person when you guys were coming through New York in Brooklyn specifically at St. Vitus. And it was right at the beginning of uh, you and your brother starting this accounting business that, that you – are now I guess full full swing involved in right how, yeah, is, how, yeah. how is all that going it's going well it's it's needless to say busy um yeah I and I we handle a lot of like full-scale business management for a, a lot of other artists that that pull in considerably more money than we do so it uh trying to keep some of that stuff on the rails, particularly after like two years of a lot of bands not being on the road. Uh, it's like people, the first thing that people forget is always their organizational skills. So there's been a, a degree of trying to scramble to clean up messes as they're being quickly started as bands are getting out on the road and just spending money wildly and not keeping receipts in the spots that they were supposed to be doing and just, generally overspending because everything is way more expensive and it's just been very chaotic. And I, I mean, I know Shane also feels as we're both constantly feeling behind, which I mean, it, it is what it is. Um, and to it, to a certain degree, it's also cause we just have more work to do. Um, more clients, the, the longer we're around, we're just juggling more balls and dealing with all this album cycle stuff. I feel like I'm going crazy a little bit. I've like, I have four interviews on Monday, <laughs> so now I have to work this weekend to get some of the shit I have to do done. Wow. <laughs> well, just uh, also, since that last conversation we had was several years ago, um, maybe for some of the new listeners, you can briefly run down what this business that you're, you, and, you and Shane are running is. I, know, you know, we, I mentioned it was an accounting business, but there is a very useful angle to this business venture that that you have so maybe break that down a little bit to some people who might not be familiar yeah i guess when we first talked about it um we were more open to doing anything entertainment industry related but 
realistically what we wanted to be involved in was the, the music side of things because that's what we know that's what we love um and at this point yeah we don't even humor anything outside of that and, and quite frankly for the most part we don't humor much outside of like touring bands that are more or less part of the community that we're a part of um we, we handle like the accounting uh corporate tax uh for a lot of the canadian bands that we work with i i deal with trying to navigate the granting system that's up here and trying to bring in as much money as we possibly can for them, given the programs and when they open and close and what money's available. Um, for some of the bands we handle, some of their like work permits, some international tax stuff, like it's, it's generally like the, the, the business management side, we do the thing for these bands, but because none of them are really, they don't really operate like a full-time corporate gig so like we're we're kind of like part-time business managers for everyone. So we yeah, we handle a lot of different services for a lot of different bands. Um I don't know how many I'm juggling right now. I think I've probably got 40 or 50 bands that I have to think about at any one time whether or not they have things that need to be done. It's it's uh the the larger this grows, the more painful it is. And frankly, we don't want to hire people cuz neither of us want to manage people either so oh, man yeah so it's just you and shane right now doing everything yeah although we have a couple bookkeepers that we have as uh um consultants that we utilize actually our our new bandmate Catherine kerr is one of said bookkeepers that she does some work for us with a few clients so um she's all up in our business now <laughs> speaking of which uh you know you got a you're a four-piece now instead of a three-piece, instead of a trio. Um, one of the things that I was uh, kind of um, marveling at was the almost Spinal Tap-esque number of ba- – you know, Spinal Tap had a problem with drummers. But yeah. you guys had had a problem with bass players, with the exception of Scott Hamilton, who seems to have been – you know, he's like the guy now. Yeah. Eight years now. It was funny talking to Shane Melling. He was saying how he still feels like Scott's the new guy. Yeah. It's like the new guy that's been around for eight fucking years now. It's like <laughs> saying, uh, it's like saying Craig is the new bass player and the new guy and sick of it all, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Not so much. He's the guy, the guy. Um, yeah. For, for a minute there. I mean, when our first bassist initially quit, then came back, then we kicked him out back in like, fuck, 2004, 2005, we had some problems keeping people in the band. And I mean, at the time, we weren't even remotely close to, to being the kind of project we are now. Like we, we built our way up to trying to becoming like a proper full-time touring band. And in that caused another problem in that the guy who said he committed to, to working that idea with us bailed at the last minute. And that's why we ended up juggling a whole bunch of people in 2011. Cause we kind of got Delta a raw hand um, and then tried to make do with what we had. And it wasn't until we got Scott that we, we got someone who, we got along with on a fundamental level and, and that legitimately wanted to try to accomplish what we were trying to accomplish. Unfortunately, Scott kind of came in at the, the last two years of us trying to be a full-time band because Shane and I were burnt the fuck out. Um, 
But I mean, Scott Scott's the kind of guy that he's always down for anything we want to do. He he wants to be out all the time. We don't. So he he uh, makes himself available for whatever we can and want to do. So in that respect, it's very, very nice to have someone that you can rely on to that degree. Now, I, I've seen you on stage play bass and um, over the course of the band's career, has there ever been a time when you've actually, it's just been you and Shane making the records? Not yet, no. We always end up, I mean, this latest record is actually the closest that's ever really come to, but like Scott clearly recorded it. Um, a lot of these songs I wrote on my own in isolation during the pandemic. Um, we created like a two album arc that we recorded all last fall and half the material I wrote on my own and half the material we wrote as a band. So that's probably the closest we've come, but like Scott played all these songs on the record. Now, have you, uh, become, uh, an old hand at using all this new technical resources that people have at their disposal for making demos? Like, have you been, yeah, become like an expert of Pro Tools and Easy Drummer and all the various amp modelers? <laughs> like, you know, have you have you gotten into that stuff? I have, but not like I'm far from an expert. I'm, I'm still actually just using Reaper. I'm going with the freeware. Um, I, I learned, I taught myself how to do like MIDI programming. So that's that's been entertaining and actually it was i'm that's the one thing i'm thankful for the pandemic uh and the only thing is that it allotted me the time to put into learning how to do that stuff um i feel bad that i don't have enough time to really work on music right now because i'm probably forgetting how to use a lot of these tools <laughs> but and and as a result my my mental health has been declining because i think i need to be writing songs to scratch certain itches up in there but uh yeah it was i mean i i enjoyed learning how to use all that stuff and i'm, I'm into the guitar emulators and the the room sound drum sound things using we've got a electronic kit that we plug into a, a midi adapter that um in terms of being able to demo stuff and me tweaking it and editing the shit out of all these songs it was it was very very cool to get to do all that stuff and i'm i am very thankful that i i learned how to do it and that it's something that we can continue using going forward because yeah like once you get clipping you really get clipping like i wrote uh one of the songs that we haven't debuted yet off this record i wrote it in like a couple hours wrote all the parts myself played all the parts myself and just taught it to shane and it's one of the most ripping songs on the album. Wait, so you, you actually played uh, like on a you you did the MIDI drum part like on your yeah like, with like a I'm, MIDI drum kit. Yeah, I well I did it on. Uh, we have an electronic kit that's in my little space, kind of a shitty one. That I mean, I used to drum before we started Kenmo, not well. I didn't know that, but, but uh, I can drum. Shane, like with all the the beats that I created for these records, like. I wrote them and then Shane totally dunked on me because like he's an actual drummer. Right. But it was, he even found the process kind of fun because I'd write drum parts that he would never naturally think to go to that place. So he found them interesting and then he'd add a little bit of his own flair to it to make it his own. So we ended up with some really cool shit in the end of it. Um, yeah, I, I, I hope I can make time to do that thing again soon. Hopefully after like we finish the touring this fall, I can 
do a little bit of writing because fuck man i don't like this feeling <laughs> it's been a year since i've written a song i don't feel good how how close in age are you in change because you I gotta be honest you guys look exactly the same as the day i met yeah. you guys like know, like <laughs> six, 60 years ago or however long ago yeah. that was we're uh two years apart to the day he's born on the same day as me only two years later yeah okay that's what i figured i figured I, you know because i like I look at you and Shane and I'm like, Shane could be like 20 or he could be like 40. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I can't never get a beat on how old that dude is. And uh, <laughs> I, I know I constantly trip people out at my gym when I tell them, yeah, I'm, I'm turning 41 soon. <laughs> oh, I, I, I know what? that feeling, man. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when so many of those kids that start training just look like shit. They'll be like 25 and they look like they're 43. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, kids have a different sort of idea about athleticism this year, these days, you know. But uh, but yeah, it's funny. Like during the pandemic, the same thing happened with me. I got I've I always knew how to use a lot of that stuff, but being locked away and then you know you're you're like working on stuff and then it's just like nah, I think I'm gonna call it quits for tonight. You know, it's like eight o'clock and then I stare into the shadows in my apartment and I'm just like. Well, if I don't do this, I don't have anything else to do. So I mean, yeah. let me put in another couple hours and then fall asleep on the couch or something, you know. And then it's one thirty in the morning. You're still editing drum things. It's just like, God damn it, what the fuck have I done? <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of that for me. Just like eh, that doesn't qu- uh, uh, that doesn't quite line up. All right, let's tweak that. Ugh. Well, with the new addition of uh, of Catherine in the band. Now she's a full-time member now, right? That's like straight yeah. up. Is she involved in the writing process as well? Um, not as much. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, a lot, a, a lot of I mean, shy of her saxophone parts, which she very much helped write with some direction from us cuz like Scott and I don't know how to fucking play saxophone, especially when you start getting into those more chaotic jazzy style solos like yeah, I'm going to tell you how to play that. Yeah, get fucking real. Um, but all the synth and piano elements that she's going to be playing live, um, I wrote a good deal of those. And on some of the next records, Scott wrote some of the piano uh, ideas. So it was it's it's her allowing our vision to uh, to see fruition, which is uh, it's going to be cool. I, who knows how the hell the, the writing for the next batch of material will go. Maybe maybe she will be considerably more involved in that respect, because I know she's going to end up learning how to use the synthesizers that I own better than me, because she's the one taking them home right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm real excited about hearing the rest of the record. Like, I've only heard the stuff that's available right now. And, uh, no, I'll send you a link. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, you know, I, I, I also, I don't, I don't like to push that stuff with people. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I get it. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, well, you know, you will or you won't, and it's up to you. <laughs> and either way, I'm gonna hear it at some point, right? Yeah, exactly. How did Catherine join the fold of the band? Like, how, how did you guys find? I mean, you said she works with you guys, but she's just, you know, working with the firm. And then you're like, oh, by the way, we need a, you know, a multi-instrumentalist to join the band and you drafted her. So how, how did that happen? That was kind of a funny roundabout way. She actually got in touch with Shane and I when we were starting doing what we were doing with MKM Management. She wanted to intern with us 
because uh, she wanted to get into doing business services for musicians too. Um, and at the time, like we were green enough that we didn't have enough work to bring in an intern. Like we thought the concept of that was ridiculous. Um, but we did give her some advice to get some accounting courses under her belt to kind of give her a better understanding of like technical financial accounting as opposed to like, because bookkeepers generally don't have financial accounting training. The good ones do, but a lot of them simply don't. And we kind of advised her to, to get some of that training under her belt so she would be able to better understand this world. Um, she took that advice to, to heart, ended up doing that. But it's funny because like maybe a month or two after meeting her, um, I put a, a shout out on Facebook looking for a saxophonist for new Ken mode material. And she said, uh, um, um, guys, I know we just met, but I actually have a degree uh, from the Brandon University in music on the saxophone. Wow. Like, what the fuck? Okay, well, let's let's jam. Let's see what this is like. So she came down. We ripped some stuff up. She ended up playing on our loved record and she let it be known that she'd be interested in doing things with us going forward. And if, if that became a touring position that she'd be down. So, um, as I started ex uh, exploring different avenues with different instruments, um, I kind of ran the ideas by her and she, she actually plays piano and synthesizer and guitar and, it's just ended up being like a very bizarre, perfect storm to meet a new friend. <laughs> and now awesome. she's playing way too many parts in this band. Yeah. Her, uh, it's been, I feel for her. Cause like in trying to construct the sets that we're going to be doing, her job is probably harder than any of ours. Cause she's jumping around from instrument to instrument and changing patches. And it's, it's, it's a lot to take in all at once. Meanwhile, like some of these songs are songs we've been playing for 12, 13 years. It's, well, it's old hat to me. Shane and I can do some of this stuff in our sleep because we played them like 700 times live. Well, that, that was actually something I was going to lead into is like with, you know, I, I mean, obviously I don't know what the set list is for the new song, new uh, tour rather. But uh, so with the new tour coming up, the new fourth member and the old songs are they changing and is she obviously it seems like she's been adding her own you know layer to those new those old songs right yeah we we made a point of trying to construct synthesizer and saxophone and i think it's really just synth and sax that we're adding to those old songs um which i mean it works it took a bunch of time to like concentrate and create uh, supporting parts in some instances they're more textural in others they're supporting like the bass lines uh but it's gonna make us uh, like a very dense band i mean we we're dense for a three-piece to begin with but i think this stuff is gonna be like oppressive now it's, awesome. it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun to play some of this live that's great man and i don't know why this popped into my head but uh last summer my drummer is a, a fan of Hall and & Oates, and um, apparently he goes to see Hall & Oates whenever they play at the PNC Arts Center down mm -hmm. here in New Jersey. And uh, we, we all went to the show, and Hall and & Oates was performing 
their old material with all these additional musicians on stage. So it was like a completely different experience. So I guess quality, you know, qualitatively, not so much in a quantitative sense, I'm expecting when I see you guys that these old songs that I've seen you guys play are just are going to be like a brand new experience. So that's, that's I really hope cool. so. Yeah, I hope so. Or at the very least, they're just going to be just that a little bit more heavier now. When does that that tour kicks off? What in November in the north, like down here? Yeah, in the northeast, uh, we make it up there in November. The uh, the first dates are in the Midwest, uh, October twentieth. We're playing St. Paul, so that'll be our first stateside show. And then yeah, we're doing Philly on the fourth, uh, Brooklyn on the fifth, Cambridge on the sixth. Then we're dipping up into Quebec, doing Montreal, Toronto, then kind of clipping back down through the Midwest so we can make our way home. But it'll be a, a tightly packed three-week run, and hopefully we don't lose our minds and have too much work coming back home in our inboxes. That's always the uh, the question mark, right, of balancing the two lives. And that, uh, I mean, it, it, it becomes more and more stressful. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man, you know. It's, uh, I remember like coming back from tour. I didn't even know how to turn my computer back on. I was like, <laughs> I was like, what's my password? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. shit. Ah, uh, shit. Um, I'm going to, apparently I'm going to be around for those dates in November. Our, our cool. plans got pushed into the spring. So, um, yeah, shit. yeah I, I, you know what? I got bummed for a minute, but then there's some other underlying things that actually made that schedule change more actually in our benefit so that's good mm-hmm. cool. but but yeah so I'll, I'll be around for you know it, actually you know what man if you guys want to stay up here in jersey after philly the door's open cool well, i appreciate that yeah I, I live between philly and brooklyn now out in new jersey so you know sick yeah but, you were mentioning that to me yeah so I, I might actually truck down to philly too just because it's easier it's less of a pain in the ass to drive down to Philly, even though it's further away than to drive into Brooklyn. So, yeah, but I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I think, uh, that Philly show we're doing at Silk city, which I think oh, is yeah. a smaller venue. And we're doing that, uh, the, you know, that band, the drowned God. No, that sounds cool though. It's like some kind of Lovecraftian like title. That's actually yeah. They're they're pretty sick. They they just got added to that bill, so it'll be a good one. And yeah, actually, but... all all the we kind of went out of our way to try and find some cool bands in almost every city. So um, it's it's going to be a really fun run for us. It, like Scott and I have been joking that we're going to end up going broke because we're going to be buying all the regional supports merch. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the Silk City place uh, has been having shows, like having like more, like that place is more, was known more as like a DJ spot, hmm. I think, you know, my, my impression was that what it, that's what it was, and now they've been having more like, like metal, like heavier kind of shows. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, we played there uh, back in the spring with, uh, when we did that East Coast run with, uh, with Cloak. So, okay. Yeah, that was pretty, actually it was a good show. Cool. Yeah. Um, so the new record, what's what's the release date? Let's let's talk about the new record now. So like, what's uh, the release date? You know, all that kind of stuff. 
Oh, it's coming out September 23rd on Artifact Records. So, new new label, new everything. Out with the old, in with the new. Is that it? Something like that, even though we've been this band for 23 years? Sure. Good 23 point. years. Wow. 23 I guess. fucking years. God damn it, dude. The fucking years. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. Hell, you've even been doing tombs for how how long has that been? I know, dude. It's been like almost 15 years, I think, which is crazy, right? Because to me, it feels like we just started yesterday. Yeah, this is this is Hill's new band still. <laughs> yeah, that that that's. I think of it as. Let's see, it's 2008 is when I started this thing. It's a 12. Yeah, it's like 14 years, man. 14 years, fuck. It's crazy. Yeah, we started this shit show in '99. Like even '99 feels like it was only 10 years ago. Yeah. Different. Very, very was, fucking far. <laughs> the, world, the world was so different back then. Oh, big time. Yeah, it's still. Well, I mean, like we were we were talking about the last time we met up, like when touring, when you were still using maps and shit like that. There weren't cell phones. We we're using pay phones to call home. Definitely a different era. I mean, a lot of things are easier now, and obviously a lot of things are so much harder to cut through the noise. But having GPS fucking rules. I, I like I like uh, having GPS, except that uh, it makes me, in some ways, it makes me feel like my problem-solving skills might be declining because of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But... Uh, but, you know, it definitely comes in, in handy, especially when you're traveling as much as, you know, we do and when you guys do and that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, it saves on wanting to kill everyone around you when you're missing things that you're supposed to be finding. Um, but, I mean, then there's obviously all the other problems that s the smartphones have caused in our society and everyone's ADHD and anxiety. And, yeah, we're going we're gonna to attempt to disconnect a little bit more on this next tour and just i want to live more in the moment and converse with the people specifically in every city and the bands we're playing with and just kind of embrace what i've missed about the community particularly from being through these pandemic years like i don't know i i'd very much come to appreciate the communities that i was a part of and then the pandemic made the martial arts community go absolutely fucking insane and now i feel no kinship with that whatsoever anymore so i'm really relying on the music community to bring me back to reality a little bit so in, in what way has the martial arts community like what was it like you know like anti-vaxxers or you know deniers yeah. like what, what was the it, deal with that it was the whole shebang. Like there was the whole anti-mask denying, like complete COVID denial shit in the first stages that like split the community. And then there was the anti-vax shit that again split the people. Like basically the whole scene that I was a part of, I train with almost none of the same people that I used to, which really, I mean, it fucking sucks when you actually started to appreciate the, the scene and the people that were around you and getting to train at a certain level and having fun doing it and then to have it just completely fall apart. Like I'm, I'm very thankful that the music community is filled with more like-minded people than that one was for me. Um, and I mean like with martial arts, I was always like surface level at best when you 
are talking to people like you're bonding over doing a thing as opposed to maybe having like core values in common and i find with the music community i more so have like core values in common with people because i this weird sub sub niche that we're a part of seems to always attract very similar weirdos from all over the world we're always a little bit smarter not to not to be too pretentious about it but you know? No, you're right. I I agree with you, man. I I think um, you know when you get into these like more obscure forms of music, you know, people have more of a, a kind of discerning, you know, ideology about certain things. You know, and you got to find so. things, and you can't. You're not just taking like what's being fed to you in a certain way. And I I agree with that statement completely. And you definitely see a concurrent theme of people who ask probably too many questions to get him into trouble <laughs> and not in a fucking stupid way. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it was just a very disappointing time. And I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of reconciling it and dealing with my own anger toward that, uh, disillusion of community. So I think I'm, I, I need being able to be back on tour fairly badly from that perspective in a yearning for community sense. So I'm uh, even just with the the organization of trying to put this tour together, it's been nice getting to be in touch with, with people who weren't really around the last time I had to get down and dirty with this sort of stuff. And I mean, that's no secret that like with music, a lot of the time there's obviously the lifers like us, but a lot of the time, it's a very youth driven community and people cycle in and out like every three to five years. And it's been <laughs> three since we've toured. So I'm expecting to meet a whole bunch of new people that hopefully have that, that passion and drive like you've never seen before. Cause I'd imagine there's a lot of young pissed off people that this stuff really resounds with. And I'm, I'd like to meet them. Have you guys played any shows at all? Like, you know, I know Zero. That, so, oh, None. Not yeah. even just like a couple of warm up, like local shows or anything like that. We're going to do a local show and three others in Western Canada in September, but it'll be when our record comes out. We're actually uh, bringing Vile Creature from Hamilton out for that and uh, Mares of Thrace from Calgary. So it's like a proper little like long weekend mini tour with those two. And no. I, and. I hope those shows go really well because uh, <laughs> it'll be a real hit to the ego if they don't. Now, when you say Western Canada, you know there, there's a different uh, sense of distances in Canada than than. How yeah. far west are you going? Uh, we're only going to go to Alberta, which is like a 15 hour drive away. <laughs> I got yeah, I got to be very uh, intimate with those drives on the last run, so I'm, I'm aware. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, they can be they can be real good. Uh, we're we're doing. We figured we'd. The only thing I feel bad about is that Edmonton is on a Monday, which aren't always the best times for shows. But like, I mean, fuck it. As long as the show's early enough, Monday doesn't matter. As long as you're in bed, normalish time. Who gives a fuck, right? Well, these days I'll go out on any day of the week. Honestly, I mean, I was yeah. so happy to be able to do things again that if something was on a Monday, I would still go out and do it. You know, I mean, that's just and me though. There has been like a a legitimate shift in uh, the way shows are being presented because I think 
we have been faced with the fact that there's so many forms of entertainment for young people now that like live shows are competing with everything, everything. So I think they're trying to cater a little bit more to an older demographic too, because that was always the thing that was keeping people as they got older and had families and jobs and blah, blah, blah. If you're having shows that are ending at fucking two on a Tuesday, I'm not going out. I can't, I can't do that. Like, if I stay, and I'm going to have to actually adjust my internal clock because right now, if I have to stay up till three in the morning, I'm going to be destroyed for like three days. So I'm going to need to do some training there. But the nice thing is that you have seen that shift where shows are all genuinely starting earlier. Like I've seen a lot of the the shows on this run are are generally like doors are at seven, first band at seven thirty. Yeah, that's true, actually. Um, like, on the tour we just finished up, that was the same deal. I think everything was pretty much done by, like, 11, 11.30, and we were packed up and out by midnight. Which is so fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Because yeah. then you can get, like, half your drive done that night, and you've got very little to deal with the next day, and then when there's an early load-in, it's not a big deal. Yeah, that's that's the downside, is that the load-ins are, like, a lot earlier in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, but but whatever you just you adjust, you know it's it's all good. Yeah, it's it's as a whole a better timeline than it was before. Like when you're getting out of venues at two or three in the morning, like fuck that noise, man. Yeah, no, no absolutely, man. So that that's exciting though. So I'm I'm excited that you guys are coming down here. Now, some of the stuff I've been reading about with um the new record is that you know the lyric writing and the content of the songs has to do a lot with uh struggling through the last couple of years so yeah you want to expand on some of that it's funny the more mental health becomes something that people talk about like even like 10 years ago people didn't openly communicate the way we do about it now um i know throughout my early adult life coming to grips with the fact that I have clinical depression issues, it was kind of viewed as an outlier. Like my, my family, I, w- I was the only one who had some sort of psychological problem, even though we've subsequently found that almost my entire family is struggling with the same shit. It's just that I was the only one that was getting very, like when you can't get out of bed, it's a fucking problem, right? No, totally. Um, and I think it's very obviously very prevalent in the creative realms. Like there's generally something that's driving said creativity and there's, there's something a little tweaked in a lot of us. And so it almost feels cliche focusing on that aspect of our, the lyric content, but that was very much my struggle through the pandemic because I've always utilized coping mechanisms that directly come from martial arts and music. And when you can't do either of those, how do you keep depression at bay? And I couldn't. So it was a shitty time. And I mean, bad things are happening all around the world. Everyone's trapped indoors. People are getting sick and dying. Uh, healthcare systems are crumbling. Uh, I just, I, I, I also, I feel like a lot of the the work I've put into like chilling myself the fuck out came undone in the last two years. Like I'm 
I didn't used to be this angry. I, I was in my 20s, and I was very thankful that I'd come to a better place. And I, I think I'm kind of a little bit back to square one, which I'm not super stoked about. And I got to figure out a way whether I have to do just an ungodly amount of mushrooms or something to rewire things. I don't know. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a lot more pissed off again, and it's, it's not cool. Well, um, that's the, a lot of the, the, the content that, that these songs are dealing with. Yeah, sometimes the tour, just being away and getting out on the road would be a big help, too. I mean, once again, you know, I like to commend you for, for being able to um, – you know, speak about mental health and things like that. Cause that is, that is an aspect that seems to be uh, for generations has been neglected, you know, and, and then has like uh, probably resulted in the cliched strong, silent type archetype, yeah. which is definitely not the way to go through life, you know, and it just probably resulted in just multitudes of unhappy people that are making more unhappy people. So, so that's cool that you at least have been able to identify that stuff and make, take measures to, to rectify it, you know? It is a, it's, it's funny talking about it in the context of aggressive music too, because obviously a, a lot of us try to work a lot of this shit out through our music and through our lyrics um, and don't necessarily talk about it. And as much as it's being talked about more in other styles of music, you're right, especially when things are very male-driven, which I know extreme music has been adapting that is one thing that as a side note i've noted um with the newer generation of bands you're seeing come up that are legitimately doing like sick shit there's a lot of like women non-binary people trans people like they are and i mean for good reason they're fucking pissed and they don't feel as alienated to to feel a barrier from entry to this type of music so you're seeing some genuinely badass and pissed off ideas coming out from different perspectives, which is, is fucking awesome. But I do think from the traditionally aggressive male side of things, we do need to talk more because <laughs> it, it's very right that that strong silent type, like you just end up seeing dudes in bands kill themselves. Yeah, exactly. Well, what, what was wrong? And then it's like, Reach out to your friends, bros. You got to take care of each other. It's like the the platitudes that everyone does when someone when another one of your friends kills themselves. It's like that's I, I I get the and I've talked about this on another panel before where I get that everyone with the like reach out to your friends thing, but like or reach out for help, but like when people are going through the thick of it, their mind isn't there. I I when I'm in the deepest pits of depression like i don't want to fucking reach out to my friends i don't want to look for help that's not how that shit works i just i don't i don't really know what the solution is there shy of people need to do more honest introspection and attempt preventative measures more because i know like like i mentioned like that's why i fucking do martial arts that's why i need music is I'm try I know I have a problem and I'm trying to stop it from being a problem. Yeah, I mean, and, and access to like mental health resources is a big one. That I mean, that's a societal problem right now that I don't think is going to get fixed anytime soon because there legitimately needs to be more like legit psychotherapy offered to all reaches of society. That I don't know how the hell they're going to cover the cost of that. So 
that ends up becoming a whole economic problem that I don't think we're even remotely prepared to discuss here. <laughs> Actually, you know, what's really interesting is like one of the most unlikely people who is very candid about mental health is uh, Harley Flanagan. Like I've interviewed mm-hmm. him in the past and uh, I think like maybe one third of our conversation had to do with mental health. Yeah, and I just I think he, a guy like him, especially in the scene that he operates in, yeah. is like that's like hats off to that dude. You know what I mean? Because like people who are like into that style of shit are generally not the most like forward thinking people, in my opinion. And that's just my opinion. You know, I'm sure people. Yeah, yeah. Gonna, well, yeah. it's it's a very macho centered area of the extreme music spectrum. Um, and I mean, I, knowing his history with uh, both violence, his music, and martial arts, yeah, no shit, the guy has some some baggage there. And, and the fact that he is self-aware enough that that's a topic of discussion is uh, hats off to him on that. Because, I mean, that's, that's needing to recognize and put in a lot of work on yourself, knowing that, uh, what the fuck is making me this angry? <laughs> no, absolutely, man. So I just wanted to, you touched on uh, the change up at the gym. So like are, where, were, were things like really shut down during like, the, you know, were things really just dead as far as anything being open or were there like these like renegade spots that opened up in secret and, and how are things now as far as training goes? Um, things definitely shut down and there also were definitely renegade spots that stayed open. Um, my gym followed the rules because, uh, I mean, he wanted to get the government subsidies that he could for being a business and he has a a big space with a lot of equipment. So he didn't want to fuck up and have his business get fucked because of it. Right. Um, and I think that's part of what caused such a splintering with everything because other people pieced out without even saying a word and then started their own thing and then poached clients. So oh, yeah, it, it was just kind of a, an ugly scene. And yeah, I mean, we went through probably nine months of lockdowns from March, 2020 through May of 2021, uh, which I mean, gyms, especially a martial arts gym is one of the first to get axed. Right. So we've been open now, what over a year without any interruption now, but, yeah, it's, it's a very different climate, which is just kind of a bummer. There are, like, obviously you get an influx of newer students and new people that are interested in it. But, like, when you lose all the old school guys, like, you don't have any talent to work with. Yeah, yeah you're training partners, people the whole time, yeah. which, I mean, I'm a, I'm a guy training in his 40s now, man. I need I need some people to play around with instead of young, strong guys that are trying to fucking kill me. Did, so did you change spots or are you still at the same gym and other people left? So are you, are you, I guess I'm trying yeah. to say, okay, so you stayed I'm where still, you're at. Yeah, I, I stay at the same spot. I'm, <laughs> And I mean, we, this is obviously a very uh, – it's it's a thing in martial arts, uh, the, the loyalty aspect where, I mean, when you stick around with places, people – you become part of a club. And when people turn their backs on the people that they trusted – there's a lot of hard feelings and I, I was one of the people who stuck around. So I'm, I'm one of the good guys, right? Oh, <laughs> or dude. something like that. Yeah. I mean, you guys want to, you know, anyone out there who knows like 
the drama within bands like there's even more like it's the same style of drama like whenever you decide to change gyms or one guy like two partners split or something there's like you know one oh. dude's like the mma guy then the the muay thai guy starts his own spot or you know there's always like crazy shit that goes on like yeah you know yeah we had our jujitsu guy leave um because he was an anti-masker and that that was just ugly <laughs> I feel like a lot oh. of the guys in the jujitsu scene are like these kind of like anti-vax, like uh, they seem to be very vocal about this kind of stuff. Yeah, that was another painful thing for me because during that the periods where the gyms did open up, particularly in like 2020 and 2021, where that's all these fucking knuckleheads wanted to talk about too. Like I, I don't want to talk politics with your average Joe on the street and I don't want to talk politics with your average Joe at a gym. I'll talk politics with my close friends, but I don't want to hear about your thoughts on this needle brained conspiracy theory about our government's leaked emails about how they're trying to take control of the populace. And you've seen the emails while I'm trying to do fucking bag work. Like, please shut the fuck up and leave me alone. (laughs) You 23 year old fucking idiot. Like I want to hear that sort of shit from children. Jesus Christ. (laughs) That's awesome. I agree, man. I totally agree. Um, you know, it's been, it's definitely been a pretty wild ride over the last couple of years, you know. And, and you being an American, I can only fucking imagine. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. Things are getting crazy down here. No offense to our American friends and fans, but y'all take crazy to a new level. Yeah, man. You know, you know, we're all, we're all like John Wayne down here. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I feel like we're. I'm watching a movie every day. You know what I mean, and and one yeah. that doesn't have a happy ending. You know, <laughs> there are no. Who? What's the? Uh, who has an album? No more happy endings. Oh, uh, wait. No more dreams of happy endings is uh, Damnation AD. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, then there's then there's also uh, the the classic Lifetime of Race Guys, man. Uh, well, yeah, it's the the classic. I don't know about classic, but you know, I still fucking love that record and that album title. It's 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 a classic. I have to say, that is the one that I think that's our best record, really. You know, what I mean, that, that's Me the one record that like I can I can listen to and not be like wincing every now and then. <laughs> and um, and a lot of it is just because like. That as the the three piece version of that band with Joel on drums really was like, you know, that I think we were onto something during that brief period for sure. Yeah, that for me it always reminded me of kind of the frantic energy of gluey porch treatments by the Melvins, which wow. I I mean is one of my favorite records. So I I don't know why, but there was just a certain vibe about you guys on that record that that's what it conjured up in my head that burly franticness that is just fucking cool you know melvin's i i can't remember what what a record by them i've liked as far as like the last like 20 years man i just they just i just dropped off of being a fan of that band since like the late 90s maybe i i mean i get it i uh they lost me somewhere in the 2000s i think it's fine but it's like the eighties and nineties ones for me are like some of my favorite records by any one period. So absolutely. Um, but I also kind of feel the same way about neurosis after times of grace. I just, I, and I, it's funny. Cause like you see a band like that live and 
even though I don't necessarily care for the albums, like the shit crushes live. You see them playing these newer songs that you don't give a shit about, but like it's so much better than all the bands that have aped them over the years that it's just why does anyone even bother? Well, uh, with Neurosis, it's like those guys, it's like there's always like a copy of a copy of a copy and things get more and more distorted. And the bands that are copying Neurosis are not being nur- nur- nourished by the source. You know, yeah. like Neurosis yeah. were taking all these disparate sort of influences and they crafted that into what they became. You know, I mean, you got. Yeah, they were listening to, you know, Swans, like Neubaut and like stuff like that, you know, punk rock music, like, you know, Discharge and Crass. Yeah, you know, yeah. Early industrial, like, and that all, all got put together and that's what created that band. So there's like this intensity and this like vibe that they created that they're expressing. And, you know, then you got bands like, you know, like Tombs that are um, pale, uh, very pallid sort of comparisons to what neurosis does you know <laughs> yeah it's 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 interesting to think about in the context of newer bands and them not being nourished on the same nutrition that we all kind of grew up eating yeah <laughs> like i've always i've always kind of taken offense whenever people compare us to contemporary bands that we i mean cut our teeth with i i literally just saw something today where someone was comparing the new single we did uh, someone's been consuming some daughters. It's like, oh god, motherfucker! Do you know anything about us? Did you get into this shit in 2018? Daughters, please. Yeah, it's a, it's that's, you know, I mean, people, music journalists are a fucking dime a dozen, man. You know, what I mean, it's like everyone with like a laptop can write about music and not most people can't make music, you know? No. And I've always felt that way about it. You know, there's there's definitely some guys out there who have real insights into music and, and aren't just, you know, failed musicians who can't really, you know, put it together to, to do their own thing. So they have this vitriol that they have for bands that are actually trying to do something, you know? And I mean, everyone has a hot take nowadays anyway. Which is a problem, I think, man. It's like, uh, I mean, especially with sub- things that are subjective, like music. It's like, you know, I don't like that shade of blue or something. You know, it doesn't make any fucking sense because yeah. it's such a subjective thing. Like anything creative, you know, writing or films. Well, that's not true. There's bad films out there for sure. but And there's bad bands too. But, yeah. but who am I to tell you not to like that? You know, yeah. it's like you can go out and like whatever you want to like, you know, you could be into bands that I despise and I think have no talent at all, but that's a com- completely your filter. Cause there's plenty of things that I like that no one cares about, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it's fine. Other people are free to be tasteless hacks. <laughs> I always, this always brings uh, to mind a, a, a weightlifting story from high school where there is this, this dude, this guy, Eric, that uh, really, really strong kid. And we were like 17 and there was uh, this guy, Fred, who worked at the gym, who's also a strong guy, but like in a smaller weight class, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember Eric was able to get like a really good squat, like one of his personal best. And, you know, and, and he's like, oh, you know, Fred, you know, I, you know, I put up 405, man, you know? It's like, that's awesome. And Fred's like, yeah, that's good for you. 
<laughs> so I've, I've applied that mentality to everything else in my life where it's like, oh, you like, uh, you know, band X. Yeah, that's good for you, for you, but not for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It doesn't do the thing for me. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, me having a, a, a background that studying marketing and consumer behavior in school a, a hundred years ago. Um, it's all just target demos, right? Not that ne we necessarily are thinking with that in mind when we're creating our own art in the first place, but like that is the root of it all where it's like, <laughs> you can like that. It's fine. I'm just not the target demo and it doesn't, doesn't matter. I don't have to be, and you can like a band with the first record, and then slowly become not the target demo anymore. And that's also, it's just, it's fine. It is what it is. But a lot of people really take offense when like they're not being catered to anymore, which I mean, speaks to a certain degree of entitlement that everyone has in society now, because we are the center of our own universes and everyone should be paying attention to us. But it's just not the way the world works, unfortunately. Yeah. They don't realize that we're just like, these specks of nothing in a vast void floating through space, you know? Yeah. yeah. Just feel lucky that you exist and that you like anything at all ever. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, dude, it was great talking to you and I'm looking forward to the full record being available. And, um, is there a pre-order or anything like that we should be talking about that, that we need oh, to get out there? Oh, there definitely is. Yeah, let's, let's a, talk about all that stuff now. There's a pre-order on our band camp. Uh, if you go to ken-mode.com, there's pre-orders on that. They're all over the place. Um, if you're listening from Europe, we got our Death Wish EU store that's being run by Throat Ruiner Records over there. We got a pre-order through that. All kinds of shit. You can, you can buy, buy, buy to your heart's content for, for the Ken Mode camp here. <laughs> Uh, they have like t-shirts and all that sort of stuff too oh so many t-shirts so many t-shirts we actually just got a, a new run of uh we got the cover of loved uh we did a t-shirt for that back in march that we just repressed and uh our, our bud carolyn caroline harrison uh did an adaptation of randy ortiz's cover art for the uh the new record that we just got copies of that looks fucking sick so i'm right stoked on. to get on on the road and shell all this stuff out. Hell yeah. So that's uh the once again what's the release date for the record, the proper release date? September 23rd. Yeah. And uh do you guys have your dates posted for the tour yet? We do. They're all over the place. They're on okay. kenmode.com. Um if you go to any of our socials, we've got links to the old link tree thing that has anything you'd ever want to know about us and we're we're but a message or an email away from complete uh, understanding of anything going on with us because I generally respond to everything. Well, I'm really looking forward to, to checking you guys out, and um, I'll probably see you guys in multiple times. So that's uh, hell yeah, that's good, you know. And, and like I said, the doors open if you guys need anywhere to, to crash on that. I have a comfortable, clean lodging here, so uh, greatly appreciated. Hell yeah, man. So we'll, um, be, oh, we'll be in touch. I'm looking forward to hang. Yeah, totally. Hang, hang, and hang, 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 and hang, 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 hang. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you next week.